Hello and welcome to another episode of Three Guys and the Mouse. Josh here with my co-host Hunter. Hey guys, how's it going? Returning to talk about Disney Company, Walt Disney World, Disneyland, and we're going to get on the pedestal and complain about Universal. So here we go. Starting with the Walt Disney Company, WWE is possibly looking into selling to Disney. So WWE CEO Chris Khan revealed he had a meeting with Bob Iger about the sale of WWE to Disney. WWE is valued at $6 billion, but since Stephanie McMahon, the former CEO Vince McMahon's daughter, left as co-CEO, they've been trying to sell the company. Other interested parties are Netflix, Fox, Amazon, and Warner Brothers. But it's also being reported that Saudi Arabia Public Investment Fund is also interested, and some believe they have possibly already purchased the company. Personally, I feel like this one's a weird one. I don't know if this is really worth Disney's time, because WWE is incredibly popular. However, it does come with a laundry list of issues specifically the way talent is treated and how mental and physical health is treated because they do not provide any sort of compensation or health care. What do you think of this, Hunter? You know, uh, I actually 100% agree with you. It, it's kind of off-brand, too, for Disney to even consider this. I mean, uh, we, we've got current Marvel Studio actors like uh, Dave Bautista, who used to be a wrestler. He, uh, he has gone on the record saying how you know, poorly you're treated with the WWE and uh, he said it on, on the Running Wild with uh, Bear Grylls about why he left, and like 99% of it had to do with how they're treated. So it's, it's just strange, especially with uh, everything that'll come with Vince McMahon, because he's already being investigated for a lot of terrible, terrible things. I know, and part of it is that Vince McMahon is kind of coming back in to help secure the sale because he is the face of them. But like I said, I just think it's very odd and it's one of those things like it's kind of like the NFL. I just don't feel like Disney is the kind of company that wants to get into the whole health care and mental and physical health uh, issues. They would rather just not really deal with it and maybe like maybe get streaming rights, but they're not going to want to like actually run it themselves. Moving on, Phineas and Ferb is returning to uh, Disney Plus. So it was announced today that the incredibly popular Disney Channel show Phineas and Ferb is returning to Disney Plus in a new deal with Dan Povenmire. The show will return at a future date with two 40-episode seasons. Uh, of course, this calls into question the changeover of the Agent P World Showcase game at Epcot, which just got rethemed to DuckTales, which was canceled a couple years ago. And this kind of bothers me because it is that question it's like why did you why did you cancel DuckTales in the first place it's a good show I enjoy it my kids enjoy it but you also changed over this attraction to now have a tie-in to something that's already gone while you secretly were already working on a deal with Phineas and Ferb's co-creator it just seems so absurd to me it honestly it's a thing I've been talking a lot about uh, off mic with people, that Disney is such a big company, 
you often see this where they're making deals and doing things, but no, no side is actually talking to each other. Uh, you know, it is kind of ridiculous. I mean, I know on Twitter when they made the announcement, I was like, excited. I still am. Love the show. I love that this endless summer will just never seem to end. But uh, you're right. I mean, you cancel another, you know, widely popular thing. And I'm really just piggybacking on what you said. I mean, it's just strange that you would spend probably, uh, at the very least, a few million dollars to do this pre-theme and then for, a, for an already canceled show. And then you're like, oh, yeah, by the way, that thing that, we were, that, that was replaced by it, we're bringing that back. Yeah, I I think it's one of those things like they, you know, and I would totally say Disney parks. There's no way they knew, because if they did, they would have obviously just repainted and retouched it up and waited like the few months for it to be announced. They would they wouldn't have changed it over. So, uh, one thing I think is kind of funny about it though is this is a company that thanks to Michael Eisner is so big on synergy, and. I'm like, this is the biggest synergy fail I think I've seen in the Disney company across the board. Maybe Tangled. Uh, I've complained about Tangled before, how Tangled the movie, they didn't believe in it, so there were no toys or anything tied into the park. Then it's this huge hit, this sleeper hit, and Disney's just like, what did we just do? Like, uh, uh quick, uh, just throw something in there with, with uh, Mandy Moore. Hurry! I mean, they basically, they were just selling, uh, the only real item they had was Pascal, the little, uh, so, chameleon. Yeah. They were selling just different colors of them. And that's how absurd it was. Moving on to Walt Disney World. As part of the 100 Years of Wonder, Disney announced a few new items for the parks. Starting with Walt Disney World, it's announced that the annual pass holders would be able to visit the Walt Disney World Resort without a park reservation after 2 p.m., except for the Magic Kingdom on weekends. This is great considering how frustrating and dumb the reservation system seems. I feel it's hard to really hate it though, because I've used it and I've gotten frustrated and I've had to visit uh, later than I wanted to, or I even uh, in back in October, I wanted to go a week later, but I couldn't because there were no reservations for the rest of the Halloween season. So I had to go that specific weekend. Uh, but at the same time, it is like, which one am I going to take? Because with the reservation system, the frustration is I have to make that reservation. What if it's not there? However, at the same time, you get lighter crowds inside the park because Bob Paycheck was right about one thing, which is reservations means less people in the park. But then at the same time, do I want to just come and go as I want? Personally, as someone who lives in Las Vegas, I love the idea of being able to do a random day trip into Disneyland. So it is that uh, pull, right? Oh, you're, you're, you're totally right. I mean, during, during the pandemic, we were opening up after, uh, you know, we thought we had a handle on, on the whole, uh, you know, worldwide pandemic. And it made sense. Um, me and Courtney used it. We had no issues doing that. But uh, at the end of the day, it's like, yeah, I, I guess we are finally starting to see some light at the end of the tunnel. So hopefully this is something that, that that comes to the other parks where or the other resort where you don't have to worry about it as much. But I mean, end of the day, the, the reservation system was good at the time, but I think we have plenty of work, right? Yeah, I feel like we're done with it. I would rather deal with larger crowds and being able to go in whenever I want. Uh, of course, we're talking Disney World right now. Disneyland, uh, there's a rumor that they're getting rid of it, but I'm not really reporting on it because it's still a rumor for now. But uh, 
I am waiting for that. Um, on top of that, I also wanted to point out that uh, Disneyland, when it comes down to it, they don't really have annual pass holders. They have the stupid magic key, and there's like none of those, and they're constantly sold out. And they, they also, just a random note, they did announce that they're going to do random purchases of the magic key, like o open it back up so that people could randomly jump on it. But I just, I think it's just dumb. Like, I, I know there's a rumor that there was a million annual pass holders before, but it's like, well, who's keeping the park open during the the low times? It's the park, it's the annual pass holders. It's not, uh, it's not a guest who's coming from like out of state, just like, oh, while we're here in California, why not do a four night stay at Disneyland? Right. It, it's, it's turned into, a, into such a muddy situation now. I mean, we, we've all had our issues with it. Like you said, we can't, we, we live in Vegas and back when we were AP holders, if we woke up on a Saturday and we were like, hey, everyone's off, why don't we just all, you know, drive down four hours, we can be at, at uh, Disneyland by noon. And unfortunately we can no longer do that because, you know, day of you're not gonna find a reservation. Uh, I, I don't really have much more to say about that. It's just, I'm, I'm hoping that that rumor that you were just speaking about comes to fruition because the magic key and is also one of those things where I'm like, I think it's a failure on, on Disney's part. It's super expensive. They're never available. And then when you're looking at the tier list, you're like, so I have to buy the most expensive one to even be anywhere close to what I used to be as an AP member. Yes, they're, they're mu very much, much less. Moving on, though, on-ride photos will be free on Genie, Genie Plus at Walt Disney World. Personally, I would love if they just started charging a normal amount for on-ride photos and photo pass because like currently I think it's like $14.99 to buy an on-ride photo which is just absurd uh like I'm thinking like 10 to 20 dollars a day uh for all day uh when you're there or like doing on-ride photos for a dollar would be awesome the problem with all this stuff is Disney always acts like they can't charge reasonable rates for anything uh when I went to when I just went to Disneyland in October um they offered like $20 for photo pass all day or you could buy like a single picture for like 15 bucks which of course doesn't make sense but I was like $20 is a good rate so then my whole day started just turning into I'm looking for these photo pass people because now I want to use this up as much as I want I think of it like iTunes and Napster uh the music industry was being decimated by illegal downloads of songs and Steve Jobs believed that most people wouldn't actually want to steal music if it was affordable and easy. So he came up with iTunes, and the idea was you just charge 99 cents, the small rate, uh, people are willing to pay that though. That's what he believed. And because the music industry was crumbling, they went in on it. And he was right. Most people, it turned out, were going to prefer to pay the actual rate for a song instead of steal it. Uh, and then basically, uh, he saved the music industry, but then when it came time to renegotiate, the music companies wanted a bigger amount, and that's actually why on iTunes it's now $1.29. But I think of it the same with on-ride photos. A lot of people take pictures with their phone of the photo, but I believe most people would pay a dollar to go without the glare and without stealing that photo if it was a, if it was just a digital download. And they know they know this works because at Splash Mountain a couple years ago, Disneyland tried this. They tested it. So what they did, I remember it was like the first day, digital downloads were like $8, and no one was biting. Everyone was like, this is stupid. Why would I pay that much? 
Then, the next day, uh, they dropped it to $5. People started buying it, but it wasn't that much still. It was like, still, it wasn't a lot. Then, on the third day, they dropped it to a dollar. And from what I am to understand from Disney, basically, almost every person was leaving that ride, buying that photo. And, like, people were even buying it, like, and, you know, buying their own photo. They're not, uh, you know, they're not even, like, oh, send it to me. They're buying it because it's a dollar. That's not that much. And there was a couple days of this. And you're just seeing all these numbers. People were excitedly saying that they really loved it. And then inexplicably, the next day, or a few days later, they put it back to $5. And people stopped buying it. And then they just stopped doing it. And that's where I get kind of annoyed with Disney because obviously greed took over and it super annoys me still that they don't have that in there because I'm like, you, you saw it, you saw that it worked and you instead just doubled back and went, ah, I would rather charge way more than, you know, let people have these for a dollar. It's, it's, uh, it's totally hilarious to think about. It's like, sir, sir, we made $100,000 because people are just buying all these $1 photos. And then they're like, like <laughs> back to five, we'll make even more. And they're like, oh, uh, we tried that already. Like, nobody in the boardroom was like, hey, we tried that, and it clearly didn't work. And you're right. Like, I, I think me personally, I'd be willing to spend up to maybe $2. Where it's like, okay, cool. And like you said, if you make it cheap enough, a dollar or so, um, you said that people weren't even, like, sending it to each other. They're like, oh, well, I can afford a dollar. Yeah, I got that. Boom, here you go. And now I've got my on-ride photo. I also think of it, uh, it kind of reminds me of, um, not to mention uh, the devil again, but Bob Paycheck. It, it is, like, his way of thinking, where it's like, why charge a dollar and have 100% of people buying it when you could charge $5 and maybe a quarter, a quarter of them are now buying it because now my profit margins are higher with that smaller amount. And it's like, no, it's not. It's lower because less people are buying. Moving on to, of course, my home, uh, since we're speaking of Disneyland uh, or of Splash Mountain, uh, we're moving to Disneyland. So uh, Splash Mountain, it was announced that the French Market uh, restaurant over uh, inside New Orleans Square is actually going to be closing February 17th to make way for a transformation to become Tiana's Palace from the movie Princess and the Frog. Personally, this feels like sacred ground to touch as this is literally one of the last things Walt Disney designed for Disneyland. And I understand synergy. Like I said, I understand the whole thing when it comes to uh, Princess and the Frog taking over Splash Mountain. You want to tie that in now, right? But I also feel like this is just another example of IP invasion inside the parks. Of course, I'd argue that we've been under siege with IPs realistically since the Eisner era. But one of the big drawbacks of Bob Iger is that all he really cares and understands is IP. We've said it many times on here. He's very difficult to sell on something that isn't tied into an already existing property. This restaurant is always busy. I have never not seen it busy inside there and so I just kind of question I'm like what kind of bump are you really getting out of this and I'm assuming also that this is gonna have like T Princess Tiana and probably Louis the alligator wandering around for meals uh you know and then if I start to question I'm like so are you gonna change this over from a quick service into more of a reservation restaurant because you've already done that once to me you did it to the Riverbell restaurant 
And that was my favorite way to start the day. I would go into the Riverville, we would have breakfast, and then we would move on to the park. Then they changed it over to a reservation table service. And now we never go there because no one's willing to wait. But this is also where the restaurant was always busy. And then you turned it into a table service and no one's ever there now. So what did you get out of that? And I also worry, like, what is the bottom line over the guest impact, right? Because this is a park that realistically is limited in land. Maybe I'm overreacting. As I've said before, Disneyland's not a museum. But New Orleans Square is such a special place, and I am not a fan of any big changes that have happened really at all there. The Christmas shop was taken away from us a few years ago to create the new entrance to the expanded Club 33. The pin shop became a jewelry store that no one's ever in. Uh, you took away the Court of Angels from us so that Club 33 patrons would have this really cool photo op that now we don't get to have that we had for years. The Dream Suite replaced the Disney Gallery, which is probably the most absurd one. I loved the Disney Gallery up there. And now, and you took it away just to have like a room that you give out occasionally to people like whatever. I just, I just feel like they're, they're working too much on tying everything in and taking away everything they can from a regular day, you know, patron and giving it to people who are only willing to spend money. I also saw online, someone suggested, why not change over the hungry bear to Tiana's palace? And it made me think of it like, so it wouldn't fit in with Tiana's palace from the movie, right? However, we also know that the new storyline for Tiana's Bayou Adventure when they officially announced it as the name, the stupidest name ever. Uh, Splash Mountain, like, colon, Tiana's Bayou Adventure. There's no reason to take out the Splash Mountain part. People aren't gonna go, Splash Mountain? What is that? <laughs> well, whatever, right? Uh, anyway, so one of the storylines of the ride is that Tiana's Bayou Adventure is she's getting ingredients for a celebration in New Orleans, but uh, and she has a food company called Tiana's Foods. Why can't the Hungry Bear change over to be rebuilt and tied into that? Like, that's something you're creating specific for the park anyway. So I don't understand why you couldn't. And this is like a restaurant that's like walked by a lot. Um, could use some like redoing personally. And I just feel like you could also fix the food that's there because uh, also sweet potato fries are terrible. Stop, stop pushing them on me. <laughs> but this is a restaurant that I, I like going there because it's not as packed as like going to the Tomorrowland Terrace. However, the last time I was there, I ordered off the mobile order and it took an hour to get the food. And mind you, there was no one in the goddamn line. And I was standing there the whole time feeling like an ass. Because I'm just like, why am I waiting? Holding my phone, waiting for my order, when I can clearly see I could walk up and get my order way faster if I just ordered through them. I just, I just think it's useless. You, uh, you played yourself at the mobile order. <laughs> That's what happened. You're like, like I'm a fool. Yes, exactly. Well, what are your thoughts though, Hunter, on uh, having the French market restaurant turnover? Yeah, um, I, I think I find myself in this weird, like, middle, where I'm like, I'm like, yeah, it doesn't make sense. I mean, we've gone there multiple times, and we actually enjoy it, you know. Nice area to sit down and relax. You get the really nice view of the Rivers of America. Uh, 
But it, it seems really strange because you, you have a good point. You're like, is it going to turn into a restaurant? Like, where I need to get reservations and then it'll never be used? Why would I make a reservation for this? I'd rather, you know, backtrack and go, go like, Tomorrowland or just walk down to Hungry Bear and get very meh burgers. But, oh, I'll, I'll give you one. Why? So, you've got the mint julep bar, right? That's where people get their beignets. That's where I have to get them for my daughter. The little Mickey Mouse shaped beignets. There is always a line there. Move the freaking mint julep bar somewhere <laughs> with better access. Because I cannot stand standing out there. That, I will say, it's the only thing that the mobile order is very good at, though. But uh, also, you know, you've got the band there. Uh, it's a nice little seating area. But then you're also getting into, this is a time where, um, actually kind of going back on something we said earlier, with crowds. Haunted Mansion, when it's full, they take up that little court, and it just basically, like, sits next to this restaurant. So it's like, am I going to be eating in this sit-down restaurant with Tiana and Louie coming up to me, wanting pictures, while I'm also looking at some idiot in line for Haunted Mansion, staring back at me? <laughs> Like a vagrant staring at you inside of a Dunkin' Donuts. Like, I could be in there eating that right now. Just looking at me like, how's it going? It's going well. I paid good money to sit here like a regular person. I feel like I might as well be sitting on a park bench in a park infested with homeless people. I'm just <laughs> criticizing Disney fans now. Or Disney park goers. No, I just think, um, and, and you know... Uh, I already said it, but like, just IPs, like, you're shoving it everywhere. Like, we don't need IPs everywhere. I don't, uh, but, uh, I just feel like we don't need the tie ins. No one is getting concerned. Like I said, this is a restaurant that's already busy. No one has ever been like, I want to go to the French market, but I don't like the French part. I guess I can't eat there. Right. It's, it is really absurd. And you're right with the, uh, with the Tiana's food thing. Like, Converting the Hungry Bear, it's, it's simple enough. Like, you, you shut it down for what probably end up being only a few months while you renovate it, and you're, you're acting like you couldn't rename it Tiana's Food or something, you know, to, to brand it, and then just, like, on the side painting what I'm assuming is, like, the logo they're going to probably use in the ride for yeah. Tiana's Food, and just be like, boom, look. Now it's branded like that, now we can put more New Orleans-style food in this place. Yeah, uh, I think that's the thing, too. Like, I, I do love the Hungry Bear, um, and I know I can feel you guys are just like sitting there like, this is one of the last remnants of the Country Bear Jamboree. But they didn't retheme it when they got Pooh Bear. I just don't, it, it kind of just doesn't make sense anyway. But you could also change that menu. I, like I said, I like the burgers. I don't care for sweet potato fries <laughs> mm. or coleslaw. Stop giving me coleslaw. <laughs> I wanted to freak out when they told me, oh, well, uh, if you don't like sweet potato fries, we got coleslaw. I'm like, you might as well spit in my face. Uh, no, <laughs> I'll go with neither. But I just feel like it, it is that thing. I've heard a lot of complaints online on podcasts and Twitter, whatever. And Disneyland, one of their big things that makes us apart from Disney World is we have such a good menu of food. Hungry Bear does not need to be burgers. We have burgers at Red, Red Rose Tavern and at Tomorrowland Terrace. 
We could do without one of them. I, I feel like Hungry Bear could change over its menu and be, uh, I, I mean, I feel like some of you might like this. You could change it over to being more of a kind of a like barbecue style thing because it is still like in that kind of vein, right? Um, someone sitting there that's not Southern food. I don't care. Uh, I just think you, you could make it work. Uh, make it be a different menu, but something specific to that that forces you to come back there. Because, of course, there's a big deal. No one wants to go back there. Uh, I know me, once you, uh, it's like going into a bad neighborhood once you leave the Winnie the Pooh ride. You're just like, I don't know about this. Tigger's always waving at me. I'm just like, don't look at me. Don't look at me in the eyes. <laughs> Put your head down. You're walking. You're like, shh. All right. So on Monday, January 9th, La Brea Bakery abruptly closed at, Wal or at D downtown Disney at Disneyland and was announced to be getting replaced temporarily by the Earl of Sandwich. And this, for me, is definitely a are you for real? You took away the river bell from me, so I replaced it with La Brea Bakery. And now you have the audacity to take that away too. It's starting to feel like Disney just does not want me spending money on breakfast. They're like, Josh, just go to McDonald's across the street and come back in. We don't care. Like, it's, it's just so absurd to me. Um, and, and, you know, I know, like, because I've worked in malls before, I know when something closes that quickly, this is some sort of, like, landlord issue. And because Downtown Disney is in the middle of a transformation, we saw it with the Jazz Kitchen, I do assume that what it is is it probably was they were being told that they were going to have to remodel to fit the new vision. And I feel like they probably were like, no. So they waited, and overnight we're just like, bye, we're not going to be here anymore. Like you're saying that they essentially just uh, ran out the release, and they're like, all right, cool, we're, we're done, bye. And yeah, it sucks. Like, you said at the very top of it, which is, I love Earl Sandwich. I'm not I'm not so upset about Earl Sandwich, you know, like, quote-unquote, uh, taking over for now, even though I feel like that's a permanent thing. Uh, it, it just sucks because La Brea's good food. Yeah, Um. well, so, like, I was thinking of it like, um, we had a Disney store at the Galleria Mall out here in Las Vegas, and because our uh, we have a family member that worked there, they told us that what happened was that the mall decided that they wanted to do away with that old style Disney store. How you know it kind of um, had the circle windows and stuff like that. They were like, no, we're gonna go more just uh, open windows, uh, no like real uh, theming to it. And Disney's reaction, uh, because they were told, oh, you're going to pay for this uh, refurb, too. They were like, no. And they just left. And I, I feel like that's what happened here. Of course, the silver lining to this is that um, the Earl of Sandwich was uh, occupying, of course, the old Earl of Sandwich over by the movie theater. However, when the movie theater was decided to be de uh, demoed, now it was like, well, where's this thing going to go? And it's pretty obvious that uh, and there's been word that they've been basically looking for a place for Earl of Sandwich. Uh, I know a big rumor the whole time was that it was going to go into the ESPN zone. Um, obviously, I, I'm quite sure that they were like, we don't want to go into a space that big. And this was a perfect moment where they're like, oh, here you go. Take over this small area because it's perfectly set up. It could be an Earl of Sandwich. Right. And uh, I would agree, like, Disney is very famous for temporarily 
this is changing and then it never actually changes ever. Uh, I assume they're gonna make them change the way it looks, but I could see Earl of Sandwich just like, no, we love being right here outside the park so that you can come out when you don't want to sit on mobile order for an hour and you can come over and just have Earl of Sandwich. Get yourself a really fair price, really good sandwich and only be a few feet away from going right back into the parks. It's true. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I'll complain right now. Smoke Jumper's Grill? I waited an hour for uh, for my meal there, and I was so goddamn <laughs> the last time I was at DCA. So in more IP invasion news, Pacific Wharf at Disney California Adventure will be starting its transformation starting this week to San Francisco from Big Hero 6. This one has to be one of the biggest stretches for me because... When it comes down to a Disney California Adventure, the theme is California as a theme park in Cali- Like, I get it. A theme park that's based around California in California is dumb. But this is not much smarter. It's becoming very clear that Disney California Adventure is way more of a mishmash of Disney franchises than anything else if you're going to call a singular theme to it. I feel like they, instead of, because we call it shorthand DCA, instead of calling it Disney California Adventure and DCA for short, maybe they should just change that C and it should just become Disney Company Adventure because <laughs> this is all this park is becoming right now. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, so like, think of it like this. So Cars Land is quite obviously Arizona. I, I love Cars Land, but no, that's not Cali that's not California. It's right. a stretch to say it is. It's very obviously Arizona because that's Route 66 anyway. Avengers Campus is just Marvel and nothing more than that. And the references that you have in the Avengers Campus for the Stark Expo, the Stark Expo was in Flushing Meadows, New York because it's literally sure. it's literally the World's, uh, World's, the World's Fair. Fair from 64. So I'm like, you're referencing a thing that we already know is in a real place and you're pretending like it's in California. And let's don't get me started on the Guardian's Tower. I don't care if you try to tell me that the the colors on the floor is because it's it's like a rift in space so you can get to shut up. Stop talking to me like I'm stupid. Uh it's just so bad. And Pixar Pier is just Pixar with a pier style park. Like it, it just looks like a cheap pier experience with Pixar on top of it. You really only have three lands that are based on actual California. Hollywood Backlot, Grizzly Peak, and Buena Vista Street. Those are the only things that are California themed. And it's just, it's such a stretch to me when it really comes down to it. San Francisco, it just feels like you're slapping me in the face just like, eh, whatever. I mean, it's funny, right? I'm all right with it only because I'm such a huge Big Hero 6 fan. But you're right. It's it's like when we uh, when we were all complaining about Pixar here being a thing. We were like, dude, this it was like, what, the third or fourth remodel after they decided to get rid of the original here idea, which was really fun to look at. Because, you know, growing up, even though we explored a lot of California, I don't think we ever really got to experience the pure side parks that, that once inhabited places. Yeah, we don't. Exactly. We don't want to get to that. Exactly. So it was a lot of fun to go down there and be like, oh yeah, that's how it was uh, back then, blah, blah, blah. And what, what was the next one they did? It was, uh, 
It's when they did like the Mickey Spun Wheel transformation and all that. And they didn't then... rename it. It was just still Paradise Pier. Okay, yeah, see? And then we got the Pixar Pier, which was just a mismatch of everything. And, and you know, I think when they did the Mickey re-theme to Paradise Pier, that was the best one. Where yeah. it was like, it's still fitting the theme of a pier in California, but you just put classic Mickey on top of it. And it was like, okay, this works. Pixar Pier, it's it's quite obvious. They don't care. They The... The neighborhood's idea is stupid. Just so moronic to me. Oh, this area over here is actually Incredibles land. I'm just like, whatever. Like, no, it's not. <laughs> yeah, they're just covering up the fact that there's no real theme over here. The last bit of news that I wanted to talk about for Disneyland is that part of the 100 Years of Wonder, it was announced that park hopping time would now change from 1 p.m. to 11 a.m. This, however, is fantastic news because literally I haven't been to DCA's uh, in about a year because I just can't justify waiting until 1 p.m. to park hop out of there. Last time I went to DCA last uh, January, I started there uh, and about at around 10 a.m. Me and my kids were done with the land. We had gone on everything, including the Spider-Man ride. And we were just like, okay, so what are we doing now? And it became very annoying. They wanted to leave, and I was just like, "We, there's nowhere to go." And they want, they don't understand that we can't park hop yet. And the only thing that worked out for us is that we went to have lunch at Smoke Jumpers Grill, which is one of my favorite places. And I had to mobile order, and it took an hour to get the freaking food, so it pushed us to 1 p.m. But that's the only silver lining of that. No, I mean, uh, me and Courtney had a similar experience. Uh... Now, granted, since me and Courtney, you know, we're adults, so once uh, once we realized that we were stuck in DCA until 1, because we, we had only gone because the first day we went to Disneyland to make sure we got on uh, Rise of the Resistance. So the next day, because I'm such a big Marvel fan, I really wanted to do Spider-Man, right? Favorite hero, cool. We jump over there, we immediately get our reservation, which me and Courtney were laughing because I was like, yeah, we don't have to wait till that 1 p.m. I don't think enough people are going to want to jump in here this early. Blah, blah, blah. We get our reservation, and yeah, we, we got on... Guardians, we uh, we went on we went on soaring, and then we were in line for uh for for the California screening at or well, Incredicoaster. Yeah, it was still like eleven o'clock, and we were like, "Cool, we're still stuck here." So we ended up shopping, and that's fine because we're adults, so it wasn't as hard. But it, it is just really stupid because you're like, "Cool, I'm I'm kind of being forced to stay in the smaller part that I was only in because of uh, Avengers Campus, and I wanted to just really get on this ride." Yeah, uh, I mean. But, you know, like I said, I think this is great. Uh, now we're just waiting for the park reservations to leave. So moving on to what I'm calling the pedestal. So Universal. <sighs> Universal announced a couple things this past week, and this is like my big deal want to talk about. First, we start with Universal announced they will be bringing a small theme park to Texas. Universal describes this, and this is directly from their website, as a one-of-a-kind park in the Dallas suburb of Frisco, and I just hate the way it's uh, and will include attractions and shows and meet and greets and a 300-room hotel. It will be about a quarter of the size of one of the parks at in Orlando and will occupy about 97 acres. You're wondering how big 97 acres is. For comparison, Disneyland is about 100 acres. Disneyland Park. Disneyland Resort, including Disney California Adventure, Downtown Disney, Disneyland Hotel, 
uh, Pixar Hotel, uh, Pixar Pier Hotel or whatever, is 500 acres. And for no reason at all, Walt Disney World is 27,000 acres. So if Disneyland Park is 100 acres, and this is 97 acres, and it's going to include the park and the hotel on it, this is an incredibly small thing. Like, the closest thing I can think of is, like, the failed Mickey Mouse Park idea Walt originally had until the idea ballooned into Disneyland, uh, which we could talk some other time about. But because of the admittedly smaller space of this, it kind of does beg the question of why. Like, why would you build, obviously, a regional park? This is not a destination park. And the, the artwork they release is very vague, but very much obviously they're like box, uh, you know, like box attractions. Nothing to ride home about. I just don't understand, like, what are you doing? You basically are putting fair-style rides with very light theming on top of it. I, it just feels very unnecessary to me. You are a thousand percent correct. Like, no, I really am not trying to offend anybody who lives in Frisco or anything like that, but it's like, what's the draw? Is the public out there really sitting there like, oh man, I can't wait till we get this tiny, tiny park that we'll never visit, you know? And uh, yes, offense to Universal because like it just seemed like a half-cocked idea where they were just like, well, what if we built a park in, uh, in Texas and we made it roughly the size of Disneyland, and people are like, oh, that's good. They're like, did I mention that our hotel's gonna also be on that 97 acres? What? Yeah, I I just completely see it as, what kind of market are you trying to get into? It, it just seems unnecessary. Moving on to Las Vegas, though. Um, <laughs> this is not as unnecessary as the news about this new addition coming to Area 15. Universal announced that a 20-acre expansion to the popular Area 15 out here in Las Vegas would become a permanent Halloween Horror Night venue. As Universal said in their press release, with a variety of unique, immersive, fantastic, horror-centric experiences that surround high-energy food, what the hell is high-energy food? Uh, and beverage spaces by day, turned haunting bars and eateries by night. The new concept marks the first time Universal has created a permanent horror experience beyond its theme parks. It will deliver on the thrills and frights its horror fans have come to love and excite anyone looking for a new level of experiment, experiential entertainment. The space will also feature a continuously updated experience, must-see seasonal events, and one-of-a-kind merchandise. First of all, no. I don't think it'll work because I don't believe you right off the bat. So, I say it's not gonna work because what they don't seem to understand is the reason why they make so much money, reportedly it's like almost a quarter of their profit margin every year is just Halloween Horror Nights. They don't understand that it's because it's it's such a, it's such a, an experience you have to travel to. You're telling me you think a year-round horror nights is going to get the same kind of impact that people get from Halloween horror. People are discuss. People make vlogs about rumors about the Halloween horror nights. No one's doing that for this thing, and ugh. so like it also it the whole seasonal event. It's a seasonal event, right? But it's also synergistic, and it works with a current slate of horror films, right? 
one of my issues looking at this right off the bat is that you're not going to change it out seasonally. I don't believe you will, because having it be permanent means that eventually you're going to realize that it's going to be more cost effective if you never change it and it just sits the same. And I feel like it's only going to take a couple years to see Universal just give up on that idea. Um, and it's not like they haven't tried this before. Universal Hollywood had the Mummy Maze, which became the Universal Monsters Maze, and then became Walking Dead. And specifically Walking Dead, I remember they said it would constantly be adapting the current season into the maze. And I think they did it maybe once. I don't <laughs> remember them ever doing it again. Yeah, I think they did a, uh, they did like an overlay when, when the Walking Dead did the season opening with Terminus, but other than that, I don't remember hearing about them doing it. Because it's also, we're talking about closing it, because if you're, I, I, it's ridiculous, because you're talking about the, the stupid year-round thing they want to do, and you're right, it's like, I love horror movies, but at a certain point, like you said, they're going to realize, oh yeah, we can't keep doing this, so it'll probably turn into like, just Leatherface, Scream, and like Freddy Krueger, and they're gonna be like, well, we're gonna call it a day here. We just we're gonna have these three big icons, yeah. and because, that's it. Yeah, so like like we can't keep changing it. It doesn't make sense. And we, I'm not gonna lie, I don't think they're gonna make money off this idea. Yeah, uh, I was gonna get into that later, but um, think of it like Area 15, the Omega Mart, which is their main draw. There, it's sixty dollars to see that. I hear it's like thirty if you can get a coupon, but I'm just going straight off their website. It's sixty bucks. How much do you think they think people are going to pay to see this Halloween Horror Nights thing? And also, you're telling me that it changes at night. Is that a different ticket? I assume it is. Right. Uh, I just I just don't see them. And um, the whole, like, high-energy food experience. That's gross. I know this is just personal to me. But the Monsters Restaurant at Universal Orlando, I tried to eat there once. It grossed me out. I do not know what it is, but something about that just is nasty. I don't want to see it. It just grosses me out. I don't I don't need it. Um, but then I also think of it like, uh, so out here in Las Vegas, we've tried this before. Eli Roth opened a year-round horror-themed attraction at the Planet Hollywood. It was called the Goratorium. It lasted one year. That was it. <laughs> or let's even to go on Disney. Star Wars Hotel. I don't think that's going to last that much longer because it's getting less and less people because it was so expensive. It's like, yes, is it cool? Yes. Am I going to pay for that? Hell no, I'm not going to. Hell no. Or um, think of it. And I also just keep thinking, I'm like, eventually they're going to stop updating and they're just going to give up on the whole concept of, oh, it always changes over constantly transforming think of it like star wars galaxy's edge greed will always take over disney with star wars galaxy's edge was like it is set in between last jedi and rise of skywalker and that's it mandalorian comes out it's huge business and what happens not even five years after they open star wars galaxy's edge they're like mando boba fett and fennec shand are now part of galaxy's edge and even on top of that, we were supposed to be getting roving aliens and robots and stuff. We never got those because they eventually realized that's not cost effective to us. Why pay performers when we could have nothing? Yeah, it is really weird. Because, uh, like, in the shops and stuff, you know, you have the, uh, the like, semi-animatronics of aliens and stuff. That's cool. But you're right. It, it is funny because the original concept, they're like, like yeah, you're going to see R2 units. You're going to see other astromechs. And you're going to see these... Uh, 
different aliens, and you're like, oh, that's awesome. We're going to have more than one version of the Millennium Falcon ride. We're still waiting on that. I know. Yeah. Well, I forgot about that. We're supposed to get other missions. When are they coming? All right. So the final universal news is... And this one was a big one because the uh, the Diz Twitter wouldn't shut up about it. The soft opening or technical rehearsal, I guess is what they were calling it, of the Super Mario Land at Universal Hollywood happened this week. And it was pretty much everything I thought it was going to be. It was uh, pretty much what we had already seen in Tokyo or uh, at Universal Japan or whatever they call it. And it's not bad. Theming is great. Merch is awesome, I want some of it, but also, the attractions are okay, and at best they're okay, and that's probably the biggest issue. I know if you go online, you're going to see all these bloggers insisting, it's cutting edge technology, spectacular, oh my god, this is a spit in the face of Disney, but the Mario Kart ride is probably the biggest disappointment. Watching videos of it, of the one here and in uh, Japan, it's incredibly obvious that it's reliant on augmented reality for every aspect of it. If you watch a video without the augmented reality, it's a slow-moving attraction. It's basically like going on Snow White, and you've got these AR glasses on with buttons that you're pressing, and you're seeing things happening on top of what you're seeing, but they're also not lining up perfectly. It just, to me, seems very stupid. Uh, it's like... Like, to me, what they should have done is something you just mentioned. Millennium Falcon, Smuggler's Run. It should be more like that. It should be a game engine render, uh, basically constantly moving on the screen for you. But you're in the car and you feel like you're actually moving on the track. And I feel like the, the best part, like, one of the biggest complaints people have about Millennium Falcon, Smuggler's Run is that you're only allowed in the, um, in the, uh, basically the parameters they give you. But because this is a cart ride, you could obviously keep you in the parameters because it's a track. You don't need to fall off the side of it. You, I feel like it would work perfectly in that idea, right? Okay. Then there's a Yoshi ride, which uh, Yoshi's Adventure. It looks uh, okay. I will say, watching the videos though, I keep telling people, I'm like, I know this is the thing I would love because it's just a people mover. That's all it really is. And that's why I would end up <laughs> loving it. Uh, but that's just because I'm stupid. Um, I've seen the power bands are actually pretty cool. Uh, the bloggers pretty much universally enjoyed that. So it's a $40 slap, uh, slap wristband that interacts with boxes and stuff in the land. There's a leaderboard. You can see like everyone where they're ranking on there. You can make profiles on your app. Um, I think I saw it best though from 21 Royal Street. Uh, it's a Twitter, uh, the guy who used to do Dateline Disneyland yeah. on Mice Chat. Uh, he said it best. Uh, he posted that the Star Wars data pad has you doing things you never wanted to do in Star Wars. It's basically just you scanning boxes. He's like, the slap wrist uh, literally has you doing the thing you wanted to do watching a Mario video game always, which is breaking those boxes to get those prizes inside there, getting the uh, fire flower, right. stuff like that. And I genuinely agree. It's... It's definitely something to me, Disney, uh, and at that, Disney knows what we want out of Star Wars. We see that because it's in the freaking Star Wars hotel 
that cost thousands of dollars. What they did is they limited us by being like, oh, I'm not going to give you that for free. You need to pay a ton of money to see that. And one thing I'll give Universal is they were like, no, you should be able to pay for this experience. Just like the uh, wands. You want to be able to do magic. Give me the RFID or whatever so I can do it. It's kind of, it's it's a weird thing for me because I'm not going to lie. Uh, uh, since all of us grew up playing Mario and stuff like that, I was kind of disappointed with what I saw for, for uh, especially the go-kart ride. Because I'm like, oh, cool. It looks like it goes like seven, eight miles an hour. And I don't know. Uh, also seeing the pictures from the progress in Orlando. I'm sure you've seen them with like the really gross uh, half- fake ideas of putting shade around there because it's obviously in the Florida sun. Yeah. It looks ugly. Yes. And and it should, it's kind of disheartening because I, I was like, oh yeah, um, seeing the one in, in, in Japan, I was like, this is cool. And just deep down, I just felt like we were going to get the cheap car carbon copy uh, version for Hollywood because maybe it's just because Hollywood doesn't have the room. I don't know. It just, I was very disappointed with what, what I have seen. I also want to give a small complaint. People were posting about how great and immersive the land was. Immediately I saw every video, you could see the biggest problem, which is there's a huge crane behind the Bowser castle. And I'm like, what the hell is that thing? Uh, and you guys complain about the the crane behind the, uh, the uh, what is it, the Cinderella castle at Florida. <laughs> My other thing, and that's also going back to 21 Royal Street, he said, it's the same problem Universal has always had. They don't care. Because he posted pictures on the second level where the Yoshi ride is and the queue for the uh, Mario Kart. You can see the rest of the park. You can see the upper lot. You can see Jurassic Park. And he's like, that's the thing. He, they've never really cared. Of course, I saw one of my favorite responses. Someone pointed out it was a picture of uh, how the uh, Hogwarts is right next to Springfield like with no theming in between and he was like he's like this is not the beginning like and i'm like yeah like but i just see that where it's like if this was disney you all would be freaking out if you saw a crane inside of the star wars galaxy's edge people when have cranes been canon but i just think it's so insane how these disney fans hate disney so much but anything universal does they're like fantastic Everything they do is magic. Uh, I'm not gonna lie, uh, you're, you might agree with me when I say this. It's because we're, we're also both Patriots fans. It's almost kind of uh, like Disney fans are spoiled like Patriots fans. For first sign of trouble, they're like, they're like, nope, back is done, blah blah blah. And that's how Disney fans feel. Where it's like Universal just did something half-assed and average. Disney would uh, would, would would be uh, would be stupid to not do the same. And you're like, no, but whenever they do that, you guys complain and terrorize everyone look at uh look at the um harry potter you got hogsmeade is amazing you go to diagon alley the land is spectacular right okay and you never see people coming off of it going like green god's poster was so good the train was so good but man harry potter and the forbidden journey a plus people feel it uh I haven't been on it, but Hagrid's magical uh, motorbike adventure, everyone A-plus loves it. No one is sitting there like, the Hippogriff. Kids <laughs> <laughs> coaster. Why did the Hippogriff? <laughs> no, but I, I just think, you know, it's ultimately to me, it's a, uh, I would say it's 
my and you know it was my hot take from the beginning it's okay and that's not how it should feel you going into a new land i do hate when people say it should be, be all e-tickets right because star wars galaxy's edge opened with millennium falcon people were like this is okay this is okay and they deemed it a failure rise of the resistance came out and that has now become gold standard for what an a plus looks like and everyone is just like oh my god rise of the Resistance!" i cried experiencing this and i'm like laughing because you you're looking at these bloggers go i went on mario kart so good it's very you know there's a lot going on and i'm just like it doesn't sound like it's that good it sounds like you're just like okay whatever i mean yeah it's there right and and uh going back to what i was trying to say though is like ultimately i just feel like it doesn't have the e-ticket and you had an e-ticket pretty obviously with mario kart and you failed so now, what is your fix gonna be? To be honest, I, I don't know if there is a fix, just depending on how much room you've really given yourself for the expansion pad, you know? Uh, Cause you gotta figure, I didn't Florida, like when, when they did their update for Mario, didn't they give themselves enough room for future expansion? So for that, they could probably do something. I just don't know about Hollywood because it seems like they don't have a lot of room as it is. Yes, it's because it's in their new park. So they're gonna have a Donkey Kong poster. Yeah, see? So my take is the land looks really good. The rides are just okay. The merch is gonna kill. And unfortunately, they do not have an expansion pad that they can use because there is not the blessing of space like they do have in Florida where they're building Epic. Well, that's gonna do it for us this week. I want to thank you guys for listening. Um, I do look at the numbers. I know I say this every week now, but I do see them going up. Uh, subscribers are up, which is kind of funny. I believe we're up like 10 right now on iTunes, which sounds like a small number, but uh, considering how many we used to have, that's a that's big because we dropped a lot <laughs> when we were closed. Uh, I want to thank Hunter for joining me in on this one. Oh, yeah, it was awesome. I mean, we've been trying to do this for a little bit, so it's it's fun to finally be back doing this again. Yeah, and uh, once again, make sure to follow, subscribe, uh, review us. That's big and important for us. But thank you for listening. We are having a huge jump in uh, numbers. Also, I do want to apologize for uh, making fun of Frisco. It did occur to me, one of our big areas of people listening for some reason is Texas. I don't know why, but thank you guys so much. Uh, Thank you, Dave. Thank you, Bob Iger, because we all know he's sitting back listening to us. Uh, and, you know, we'll see you guys next time. Thanks again, everybody. Ka-chow. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Three guys and the mouse. Josh here. <laughs> With my co-host, Hunter. Hey, everybody. How's it going?